Welcome to Shed Life. All right, Mr. Uh, Mr. Ed Lattimore. Uh, welcome to the Shed, mate. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Oh, I'm brilliant, man. I've got to say, it's an absolute honor to have you in the Shed. Um, I followed a lot of your stuff over uh, over the last few weeks and months, and I'm a big, big fan. Um, what I kind of want to ask you, mate, just to get things cracking and set the sort of uh, the tone of this episode, I want to sort of know your journey because we know you're a former professional heavyweight boxer. Um, we know you're a physics graduate. You're a massive writer at the moment. I want to kind of know how you got to where you've been currently. Now, what what is your story? What is your journey? Now, where did it all uh, begin? Yeah. Um, you know, for for everything that kind of comes together and works well. Um, or, or everything, how it has come together and in giving me kind of the stories and the perspective and the mindset and all that. We go all the way back to my childhood. I grew up really poor in, uh, in uh, public housing. I believe they're called Commonwealth Estates over there in the UK. Uh, the equivalent of those here, you know, but mm. a, a bit, I mean, they're all bad, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> make it out of there and then I deal with uh, my, my 20s kind of figuring out life, dealing with the alcohol addiction and everything like that and getting past it and making a decision at, at 28 to just be like, okay, really at 27, but 28 is when I was able to execute it, that I needed to do something to change the trajectory of my life because I didn't like where I was going and what was going to be available if I continued down that path. And so I, I enlisted in the military and enrolled in school. At this point, I had just turned professional as a boxer. I had spent, I started amateur fighting when I was 22, but then turned pro at 28. And so I did all of this. And for, for four years, life was really, I mean, it was challenging. I'm, I'm recovering on all aspects from really kicking it in, into overdrive. And in the meantime, writing about the things I'm learning and experiencing and really seeing how that works, um, really seeing how my mind works and how I look at things in in the world and how it helps me figure out uh, the best way to live can you know going forward and then also to teach people what I learned that's one of the uh the models on my site is I take what I've learned the hard way and I break it down so other people can learn it the easy way and I think I've you know I've, I've lived some some challenging lives and some had some challenging times and figured it out and worked through it and now now things are going pretty well no that's that's a really interesting background, man, and really interesting story. Um, so well, well, let's start at the beginning, like you said, um, maybe past the child aspect. You said dealing with alcoholism um, in your 20s. Was that, mm-hmm. uh, was that sort of uh, during your boxing career, or was it uh, prior to that? Oh, uh, well, during my amateur career, sure, and then part, part, of, uh, part of my professional career as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just you, you watch yourself kind of go off the rails, for only so long and you're like okay i gotta do something about this this is not the life that i was that i wanted to have you know what are we, what are we going to do about this and so i said all right this is going to derail me if i don't figure out something um soon and it just it really came down to me going okay do i want to have the best career and the best possibilities to improve and do well 
or do I want to stumble and, and always have to deal with this? And I, I think I made the right choice. I think I'm, <laughs> I think, I think life has, has gone, gone really well since I made that decision. Oh, fair play, man. You're absolutely right. Um, but was it a case of like, um, you sort of found your own sort of, um, you realized by yourself that this is my vice. This is something that is sort of detrimental to my career and my life. Or was there outside influences, like especially if you're in the sport of boxing, maybe your coach and your trainer, you know, uh, whoever may be involved at the time, did they notice it? It's a combination. You know, you, you get you get some people noticing. You you, you have the, the, the three pillars, right? You have your professional kind of life, your social life, and then your personal introspection. Um, in the professional arena, yeah, my coach notices I drink too much and understands the, the issue that that can pose for fighters and notices some of my behavior and how like it's centered around getting alcohol or even taking risks like drinking on the way to the gym or things like that that's never a good idea but then you have the social life my my social circle i felt um had dwindled and and even if it even if, and, and it didn't dwindle for the right reasons it didn't dwindle because you know, because I'm, I'm making it tighter, you know, people were just like, I can't associate with that guy. And then I have the personal introspection where I'm going, okay, I don't feel good about me. I don't like the face I see in the mirror. What am I going to do about that? So it, it's it's three facets that came together. You know, if it was just one or even maybe just two, because for a long time, you know, it was just one or two. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that third one, when I when I finally looked in the mirror and was like, okay, I am a loser. I'm trash. You know, what am I going to do to not be that? Because you can't you can't combat a problem until you admit there is one. Yeah. And then once once you do that, you know, it's just a matter of how badly do you not want to be <laughs> that. And, and I, I really, you know, I, I've I always had an idea and an image in my mind of what my life could be like. And and I, and I think that the only reason I'm 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 living that because I am I really I really think in many ways I'm I'm living a life that I envisioned as a child uh, that would kind of propel me and, and get me through and get me um, that would motivate me to work hard and not get caught up in anything around me. I feel like I'm living that now, and I was not even close to that when I was a kid. Or rather, when I was in my twenties, I was I was going the opposite direction. I was not going towards it. So, uh, but but you can dece- you can deceive yourself. You, you really can. But once you stop deceiving yourself, then that's when the real change can happen. Now that's a really good point. Now I think the the point you made about the pillars is a quality point because a lot of people see those pillars like number one and number two maybe every day of their lives, but it's not enough to inflect a change in them, right? The fact that you said right. need all three—that's like I, I think you do. Oh yeah, um, because you can. Okay, like like if if your if your life is together, like your money's right, and your and you have a high opinion of yourself, you can justify people not being your friend because you're just. You know, they're, they're jealous or they're haters and things like that, right? Mm. Or maybe you're too busy with, you know, kicking life's ass to have a good life. If you are, if, if, you're, if, you're, if your business is trash, but you got good friends and 
or rather, you know, you're like, you're broke, you know, you're being basically a loser, but you have good friends and you think highly yourself, you know, you can tell yourself the money's not important mm. or, or, or look down on people who work so hard. And, and if you have the, the business aspect, you know, and your personal life together, your social circle, but you don't think highly of yourself, uh, you, you can, you know, that that's imposter syndrome really. And a lot of people go through that and, and still are high performers really in spite of it or sometimes because of it really. So, so no change happens, but it's when all three are failing that you go, huh? <laughs> I really need to do something. You know? Absolutely, man. And a lot, a lot of people resonate with that because like we said, like everyone has insecurities. Everyone has things that they like about themselves to realize it's not, it's, something's not right. However well you're doing in life, do you know what I mean? But to have all three, it's like the trifecta, isn't it? And then maybe you're an advocate for that because you can say, listen, I made a change this early on in my life, which I think is one of the keys. It was so early on in your life. You're in your 20s. That's, you're, still, you're still growing as a man, do you know what I mean? Like, that's a rip, that, pretty, uh, you know it's interesting you say that man because yeah yeah because because now I'm, I'm 35 now so i guess I'm, I'm like mid-30s i don't know if that's considered middle age i think it is nah uh, no no but <laughs> but um <laughs> well certainly cer well certainly you know not young adulthood they're definitely not that so uh i think about you know my relationship with tom is such that I, I realized that all things worthwhile are going to take a while. That's just how mm -hmm. it is. And I'm fortunate every day that certainly now uh, with, with everything going on with, with, the, with the pandemic and how it's affecting people's ability, not just to make a living, but to even get into a position to make a living with the way schools are being delayed and everything. And I, and I, and I thank my lucky stars that I decided to start getting right when things were going well. I'm a big fan of the idea that you have to use good times to prepare for bad times. Maybe not have it in your mind like, oh, this isn't going to last. I need to work hard. But you should use excess time and resources to propel yourself even further. You should be trying to grow when the soil is fertile, you know, so you have a harvest when the soil is, is it's not. All right. Mm. I took that approach to heart and I take that approach with everything I do. So, yeah, I, you, and, and one way one can go, yeah, you're young when you make these decisions and you figure it out. And now you're in your, your, your late adulthood, late, early adulthood, <laughs> and you can go, uh, things are going well, but on the other end entirely, if it, let's pretend that I was still, you know, BSing now. Well, eventually I'll be, and how long did it take? We'll say, we'll say 27 is when I made the decision to make really get right. I'm 20, 35, not so eight years. So, so at 43, everything would start looking good. And that's later than 35. But it still ain't, you know, when, whenever you start is when you start, man. That, that, that is really important to, to not let the amount of time you have lived or how long you've gone not right to keep you from getting right. You know, you don't, you shouldn't throw bad time after, or good time after bad. There's no, there's no reason to go, I've been, been a screw up for 30 years. 
all right, I'm 31. It's time to get right. Like, nah, that dude, it's never, or rather, and thinking that's a bad idea. There's a lot of people to go, you know, they, they, they give up because they feel like they're too old or it's going to take too long. I think the time's going to pass anyway, man. You better get your ass together. But like, cause one day, like I said, we'll use, if I started now, yes, I would have wasted eight years on top of the other time. But another eight years, God willing, will pass and I'll still be alive. Where am I going to be in those eight years? Am I going to have more options or fewer options? You know, that's that's what matters. Mate, that's a, that's a quality point because you're right. Because people might think of it and they look at it and think, what's the point? I might have X, Y, Z amount of time yeah. left on this planet. Yeah. But those eight years, for example, using your example, they might be the best eight years of your life. And they might be worth living in that sort of uh, paradigm that you mentioned. So it's, it doesn't matter what age you're at to make that change if you are having a sort of a negative uh, sort of uh, thought process and all that stuff, right? Right. Yeah. I am, I just, I wish people understood that. Like if they could take anything from from my life is that it really, it really doesn't matter how much time has passed. Just get after it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, or I'll put it this way. If you're going to find an excuse, make it a good one. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> that's just not a good excuse that, that too much time has passed. That's why you need to be doing it. You know, mm, absolutely. Like, uh, and, and really you, you, you get the benefit. I think that there are, there are trade-offs, pros and cons. Let's talk about some pros of waiting too long. If I had tried to go and live life right narrow, right out of uh, high school, I would have likely gone down a safe path, but one without nearly as much potential for growth. I maybe probably don't ever step foot into a boxing ring. Never happens. Because why? I'm too too busy being safe, playing it safe. Maybe I don't ever start my blog. Maybe I don't ever write. Yeah. Maybe I, I major, I think I major in something stupid like psychology. You know, no, hey, <laughs> so sorry for any psych major, you know. This is just not a high-paying degree. Sorry if you got a side degree. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, no, no, no money in that, right? I'm, I'm, I'm similar. I'm a similar background to you uh, in terms of degrees. So, yeah. I oh, okay. Well, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, I get you, man. It you makes complete it. sense. It makes complete yeah, sense. Yeah, and 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 because and because I was so eager, because or rather, if if I had been so eager to get on a straight and narrow at the expense of, or rather, the trade-off of not exposing myself to risk and not making mistakes, who knows where I end up. Now, I'm, I don't encourage people to intentionally, you know, I, I don't encourage non-calculated risk because mm-hmm. a lot of other, because that's what it was, it was non-calculated. Look, I can, can sit here and at, at certain, at certain, you know, at the very least, we can say from the age 22 to 20, or rather 19 to like 24 was very non-calculated. That was just boom, 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 boom. And then, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, those those are the risks that can destroy you. Yeah. No, you know what? That, that makes perfect sense, man, what you're saying. You know, um, just, just going back to what you said about uh, making that sort of switch and that change. <clears throat> Excuse me. The um, Something I'm intrigued by, and I know you, you mentioned the three pillars earlier, and that was maybe more specific to um, the alcohol uh, part of your uh, sort of journey, right? But yeah. in terms of like earlier than that, childhood and growing up, obviously, like you mentioned, a kind of a tougher environment, all that. What was there an actual moment in time where the switch needed to come on where you said, suddenly I'm going to become a boxer or I'm going to, you know, 
uh, change into this or do you know what I mean like uh, going even back early because people don't understand when you're a child like, there's a lot of things that goes on and there's a lot of things which maybe you don't remember but subconsciously they're happening right yeah so, the, so there was never a moment where I was like I want to box or I want to study physics or I want to join the military you know those were never ideas right I mean maybe I wanted to write but yep. what I did have, I knew that there was no way in hell I was going to live the way I grew up. I knew that. And so everything was about moving past, at the very least, making sure I never ended up back there. Yeah, no, that's fair play, man. That's fair enough. Mate, let's, let's, let's move on to the boxing side of things. I'm, I'm a big boxing fan. And like I said, I watched a lot of your fights now on YouTube. Um, so what, what was it, the actual reason for you to step into a gym at the first time? Because you did start quite late in, a, in life. Yeah. Right, compared to other amateurs. And you actually had a quality amateur career. If you look back at the stats, you beat in a Great former... Great amateur career. Bro, you beat in a former <laughs> heavyweight champion in Charles Martin. You beat Dominic Brazil, who's had two um, title two attempts title. Two, against two, title two of the best heavyweights. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. So you, you're no, like, uh, you're Manuruda, you're no schmuck. The Olympics. There you go, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us yeah, how you yeah, go to that. <laughs> um, so I don't think you played up enough. You need to play that a bit more, man. Because that's a massive, I probably, massive you know, feat. You know, I, I probably should. But but, I, but here's the thing. Like, those guys are my friends, man. And, and I'll get into <laughs> why those guys are my friends. Because that's yeah. really kind of important to the story. Um, is so, so why I ended up in the gym in the first place mm. is I, I wasn't doing anything in my life at all. I was working at Starbucks and I was taking that job. Um, yeah, I mean, that, I think I think they paid seven something an hour plus tips. It was stupid. Mm-hmm. And and I took that job really so I could like spend a lot of time with this girl I was dating because I didn't want to like do anything that was going to have me be away from her. I was very insecure. Uh, but I was also like railing against college a lot because I had failed out of college the first time. So I was, you know, so I kind of went on a sour grape syndrome. And I was explaining why college is foolish and why it's going to die. You know, and then now I still think that the difference is now I have a real degree. You can't, you know, take yeah. that shit, you know. And, and so my, my, my opinion holds some weight. It didn't hold any weight then. And and why I, I would say this, I said it to her mom, who's like, a professor, a biology professor at the at a local university, which, you know, is not going to play over too well. And one day she said, she's like, you know, what have you done? And, you know, let's say college is, is a waste. What have you done for four years? You know, do you have anything to show for your life? And I was like, oh, that's a good good point, man. Uh, threw me out because we were having an argument. And then I thought about it and I said, you know, I, I don't have any sweat equity anywhere. I have nothing to show. I've just been BSing. So I I started looking at things to do and and I was looking at YouTube and this is when YouTube was getting big. I was like, oh, I can walk into a gym. I can fight. That'll be my thing. Right? Yeah. I joined the military. I wasn't but I wasn't quite ready to join the military yet. And so Wait, sorry mate, just to say, did you join the military before you started boxing or was it after? After. After, after. after. Okay, after. okay. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. All right. Mm. So, so what, you just walked and, uh, into a local gym or something? or Found a gym and, and started training. Mm. And and it, I just stuck with it. I stuck with it and kept getting better, better, better. I had a few 
and, and and it really changed my mindset about just how how you can improve with deliberate practice and and taught me how certain things work and, and everything like that. But but in terms of like, you know, why I don't play that up enough, one of the big breaks in my career, my amateur career that really set the stage is is at some point I can't, I can't remember the exact year. Okay, yeah, I can. 2011, 2010 to 2011, I switched gyms. I switched from where I started as an amateur to another gym mm-hmm. uh, where I was trained by Tom Yankella, who's who's a, a, a great trainer. And switching with him, I ended up winning the Pennsylvania State Golden Gloves, nice. beating a guy who had beat me twice. And then I went on to Nationals. Nationals is where – in the first round, I drew Dominic Brazil and beat him there. Well, because I beat Dominic there, and then I went, I made it to the semifinals of the tournament, um, I think, or quarterfinals, I think quarter is probably more accurate. I ended up uh, getting recruited by a group that was running, uh, that, that was training Dominic out in California, where they had Charles Martin out there as well. And so a few other names were, were there. Michael Hunter was there. Um, oh, sick. Oh, wait. Uh, I can't. I can never pronounce the, the guy's last name. We used to just call him Saba, but, but, but Vasily Saba Linsky or Liskalev or something. Right, right, right. Anyway, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He he lost to um, Sergey Kovalev. Mm. So yeah, he's a and I think that was his yeah. first loss. Yeah. So so yeah, and then that was it was a great camp, and and dude, you want to talk about like getting you better? Mm. <laughs> uh, that's where where I met Cam. Uh, I, I still had never beat Cam. Cam awesome. Is, is but but I trained, you know, he, he became one of my good friends. Trained with all those guys out there. Um, I beat Charles twice and beat Dominic uh, once. He beat me the second time, which subsequently mm. led got him on to go uh, represent, uh, represent the U.S. in the Olympics. I was oh, his man. first victory in that tour. Yeah, I mean, there's this there story behind that that fight, but I don't tell that story because I don't want to downgrade anything related to the fight. But, no, but no, he, they, they, they're, they're all great. They, I mean, they're, they're great dudes, you know. And so that's one of the reasons why I don't promote that because, like, it's the internet. I mean, it, it, they, we all follow each other on social media. <laughs> that, that's not it's not cool. We don't hate each other, so Absolutely. there's no reason. Absolutely. To, and plus, that, I've just got other things to lean on to promote myself. That would be kind of weird, especially considering at this point those fights were eight years ago. I fought them. I fought them both. I fought. I fought Dominic and two, no, yeah, eight, eight, nine years ago. Our first, yeah, our first fight was nine years ago. Our second fight was uh, eight years ago. I mean, that, that that's not too um, far off when Charles Martin, well, obviously a bit later, but eight years, when you talk about him becoming a world champion, obviously losing to Anthony Joshua and all that, eight years in the stretch is not a long time. So it's not as if you fought someone when you were a kid. I mean, you fought oh, a pretty okay, good version. Right. Now, you want to talk about the difference, because I believe, I remember where I lived, and I had not lost my fight yet. So I think he lost to Joshua. I'm sure we can look it up and verify. Hmm. 2016? 16, yeah. I think it was 16. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, so at that point, we're only... You were still now, fighting, right? Four years. Yeah, I was still fighting. You okay, still right. Fighting. So yeah, that, you know, <laughs> then it, then it you know, carries some weight then, but... Uh, you could have been heavyweight champion in the world. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. You know, you know why, or at least why I don't think so. Uh, a few reasons, because uh, I really, I really thought a lot about this. I actually wrote about it in one of my newsletters. Mm-hmm. Is so, so for my level of natural athleticism and size, 
I've got to be, I've just got to be very skilled to win. Okay. I don't, and I, and I've got to have, I, I've, I need at least one genetic advantage and I don't really think I have any, uh, for boxing. I don't, I don't have an, have an average chin. Some would say below average, but that motherfucker hit hard. Now, um, wait, 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 you can't, sorry, <laughs> sorry to jump in. You can't say you're oh. below than average. You've only been knocked out or you've been knocked down. Like one, oh one yeah, I guess fight, I guess right? that's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Even as an no, amateur, no, no. I never got never got. There you stopped, go. There so. you go. And you, yeah, he was like, from looking at the fight, he was a hard, hard hitting looking kind of guy, right? And he was a son yeah, of a former uh, world champion, champion as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it was what's cool about fighting great guy. He actually talked to me uh, probably about a year ago. Told me he bought my book, and oh, nice. told me he liked it. So, so yeah. Um, mm. but, but yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not tall. I I don't I realistic and, and I'm for I don't a heavyweight. Yeah, for a heavyweight. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, if I could go back and do my career over again, or, or in the next year, well, that that's certainly killed now because there's like no shows. Because uh, mm. I mean, I, I thought about the idea of like fighting again, but yeah. that's not gonna happen. Um, I would be a cruiserweight for sure. I would yeah. I would cut it because I'm only six one. At at my heaviest as a professional, this was like not training the way I was training when I was at my my lightest. Mm. I was two thirty two. My lightest, I was. I think my lightest I fought at two thirteen. It's just not like I'm. I'm just not that big. When you look at the guys in the division, they're all six. You know, minimum six four. A lot of them walking around, uh, or a lot of them coming out of camp. At, you know, in the, in the 230 plus range, and and athletes like you know these guys are not not athletes. I mean, you got to remember like Brazil, who who had two challenges. That guy was a, was an NFL quarterback at one point, or at least made it to the NFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that's mad. That's mad. You know, Martin was was a hooper. I believe. You know, you look at guys like Joshua, and even if we get out of titles, you know, we're looking at what Derek Tresora. And uh, Dylan White, yeah, absolutely. Or, what's his name? Uh, Tyson Fury, Brian, bro. Tyson Fury. I mean, yeah. I, I can't. Huey Fury is six seven, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> now you know what you're spawn, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, spawn. I'm, 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 I'm just small, and I don't, and I'm not talented enough. That I, you have to accept, right? Because there's a point where you just come together. I'm not talented enough to make up for for the physical. Um, disadvantages that I have. I, I, if I, you know, I do have one one event. I'm, I'm, I'm I was, I'm faster than mm. a lot of, but as as I should be though for being, <laughs> for being smaller. <laughs> uh, but I don't think I'd quite be fast enough to be a cruiser. But I'm not big enough to be a heavy. I, I just have an odd body type. If they ever came out with, I saw them, they them talking about a weight division for like under 225, but but heavier than 201. That's where like like if that division exists, yeah. That's where I would probably all of a you sudden win some titles be, 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 a, be a star, but then, you know. Nah, you're right, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying you haven't got talent, obviously, but I'm, I get what exactly you're saying because the people, like, we got, we got to realize your size is not small whatsoever. 6'1 is not small, but for the heavyweight division when you're competing in 6'7", six six, you know, 8', whatever, however tall these guys are now, it's really difficult. Just that reach is so so difficult to get. Yeah, I mean, any sort I don't, success, I don't right? think even even at the smaller club level, I'm pretty sure I have been the taller fighter once mm. oh, as shit. a professional. Yeah, and it wasn't by much. I think the guy was six feet tall. 
Oh, shit. This yeah, no. Nah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one, man. It's a real tough yeah. one. Okay, so like you said, it's a, it's a trade-off between weight and height, right? you got to have that right balance and then find your division based on that. Because if yeah. you look at like, you know what I mean? Look at like a Mike Tyson, a David Hay, people that who have won heavyweight titles being fairly smaller than obviously uh, your Klitschko's and your AJ's and your Furies, all that stuff. It's, and uh, even David Hay, is a, he's 6'3". That's true. You know? That is also true. He's, yeah. And he started as a cruiser. Remember, he started. He cleaned up a, the cruiser. <laughs> it, it's a and and look at that. I'm sure it's no coincidence that he cleaned up the cruiserweight division and he was six three. Yeah. It's just not. You got to be able to fight because because you know the 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 bigger like I think Kovalev is six four. So. Hmm. Nah, man, that's interesting. All right, mate. So um, let, let's let's move on. Oh, actually, before we move on, sorry from the boxing. I want to ask you about that. I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to bring up the, the only loss in your career because obviously you had, you had 13 successful fights before. <laughs> nah, right? it's all good, man. <laughs> but that, that, that defeat, all right, let's be honest, uh, Trey Lippy Morrison, like we said, he was a son of the late Tommy Morrison. You know, he was in Rocky movies. He was a heavyweight champion. He was trained by Freddie Roach. Um, and the, I was watching that fight, it just... It was your hometown, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, right? No, it was his hometown. It was him. Okay, fair, fair. They were not. Yeah, boxing is rough, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching that, the crowd. Oh my god, on his side, it was mad. Like they were literally like. No, no, they were. They were very much. Uh, <laughs> that was very much a, a hostile environment for me. Yeah, D- yeah, mate. But, the, sorry, sorry. Just to say, the, the, did these things um, play a massive factor in? Uh, sort of mentally. Nah, man, not at all. Because I, I don't, I, I'm very good at not paying attention to how I feel and and not giving thoughts that don't help me uh, any credence. So, so none of those things happen. I mean, he just he just came out and had a great. I like like I said, boxing's weird because I hate having to say this, but a lot of times you have to say it, and you can say it for like you know Deontay Wilder or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Is is I I certainly am from skill wise at that point was a better fighter, but he just I mean that that power is a great equalizer and he caught me with a great punch right. Away. I look it took me seven months to be able to watch it, but I looked at how he got me and I was like holy shit you know I didn't stand a chance I was I was expecting one thing and it came from a very different because you see I go to block because I, I remember that I remember during the fight I was like. I went to block. He wants to like went behind my head and made me fall. Like that's what I mm. thought. I didn't know he went around the guard and cracked me with a right. I was like, no. wow, this is a great. I mean, just a great move. Um, it was. It was because just before that, you would hit him with a nice uppercut. I remember seeing that. Like you literally, I wouldn't say rocked him, but you hit him with a quality uppercut. And he was not yeah. buzzed. But then I think, like you said, it came out kind of nowhere. Like right around. Yeah, because I went up and I blocked, thinking because typically when you when you throw that kind of shot. And it was it was a lazy move. What I should have, you know, going back, what I should have done was lay there, hit it, and then move a change position. Instead, I gambled and sat in the same position, mm. but guarded. And what that did is, like, yes, if it was going to be a straight punch around, you know, I've been been fine, but it wasn't. It went around, and it, that's a. It was basically a clean hit. I mean, there's just no. It's a clean hit. I mean, it didn't knock you out. You mean you got up twice from the canvas, more or less, and the ref had to stop it. You didn't end up on. You know, on the, on the ground or anything. Yeah, like which which is great. I mean, because because dude, but the people yeah. understand. Um, boxing is is one of those things where 
you can win and still have your life permanently altered in a negative fashion. I met a kid at a, at a local show who had to retire, a young kid, a 19 and 0, because he detached his retina on his last victory. Are you serious? Right? He won as well. Mm-hmm. And I said, holy hell. You know, that's one of those things. Like, like I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to go back to school is because the writing was on the wall that because i because i never let I, I never let myself deceive myself i really try to have an unflinching relationship with reality and and i think that's one of the only ways you can ever um make progress in life is if you if you don't if you refuse to lie to yourself i remember one day i was walking back coming back from the gym uh when i was training in la that's where we, where the, where the All American Heavyweights camp was, where Brazil and, and Martin and, and and Hunter and everyone were, and we were out there, and I was I was going to LA, I was going to LA Fitness to lift some weights after practice, and I had left my phone and my iPod and everything at home. This is really important because I did that. I'm looking forward the whole time walking instead of scrolling through, and somebody lost control of their car and came up on the sidewalk. If I had any of my equipment. I would have not been looking and probably would have got flattened and killed. But because I was paying attention, I was able to jump out the way. And that 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 event, is, I mean, you want to talk about things that stick with you? I, I do not. I don't walk. <laughs> I don't walk on the side of the sidewalk where the traffic's to my back now. Mm-hmm. I don't look down at my phone when I'm walking unless I'm, like, on a trail. And there's no chance of anything coming towards me. It really changed me. But it also made me realize boxing – could be over and have nothing to do with my, my uh, record, mm. right? Have nothing to do. So I, I said, okay, I got to make sure I start doing things to improve my life and get everything better for me. Otherwise, you know. No, I mean, that makes sense. That's mad. I didn't know that story. That's um, Man, that's I do that because I, I actually don't talk about that. And that story actually gives me the chills, man. Like, mm. Because cause I, cause every day I walked with my phone and my iPod and I'm usually scrolling through, sending text messages, whatever. But that day I didn't have it and I was able to look. It just None of it was charged. I left it all at home to charge, whatever. And because I did that, I was able to, to jump out the way and, and save myself. Ooh, I, I need to write about this, man. Cause that, that is, like, like that is a, like think about it now. At this point, that's nine years ago. And that still freaks me out. That's that's fucked, man. Honestly, um, like, yeah, actually, let's change the direction I want to take. <laughs> so it's one I wanted to talk about later. You know, I was, I was, I, all the stuff you say, like a lot of the stuff is very intelligent, very profound, and all that. And I kind of wanted to know um, if you sort of believe in any sort of uh, have a sort of spiritual feeling towards any of the stuff that you write about and all the stuff that's happened in your life. Does that ever guide you? Do you ever have that sense of feeling? And now the fact that you mentioned this, does that kind of, you know what I mean? Was that kind of playing on it? Because, mate, the, the way you uh, sort of um, mentioned that story is almost, almost a near-death experience, right? Like, obviously, in a, in a looser term. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to, to describe the way I look at these things? It depends on how I want to see it. I'm, I'm very good at, I, I think one of the things that, that helps me keep a clear mind and deal with problems 
and integrate the people and all these things, right? Is it is that I'm I'm acutely aware of the idea of, of levels and and what works at one level may not necessarily and very often does not work at the next level. I'll give you a perfect example of, of this concept. I am a big believer in forgiveness, but I'm a bigger believer in justice. And people go like, well, how does that, that work? Uh, well, you gotta understand, for justice is for the physical world, so this person does not do or commit an offense to someone else and deter people from doing it, so we don't need forgiveness. But forgiveness is for yourself on a higher level. No, but but you can't. But if if you ran the physical world based on forgiveness and mercy, uh, you'd get anarchy. Likewise, if you ran your your emotions like a courtroom, you would always want vengeance and justice. They don't work. There, uh, so I'm, I'm very aware that like there, there's no unifying rule. I think you just have to look at things in that nature. So, well, okay, so with that said, depending on the point I want to make or what I need to get out of this story is how I look at the events of my life. Like, like you will use that, that car crash thing for an example. It's, it's very easy for me to look at that as some type of divine intervention and look at it that way. It's also very easy for me to go, well, it's coincidence, you know. Any other day, that person could have come up on the road as well. You know, people only look at it, people only look at the one end, like, oh, man, it's, it's like, like a sign told you to leave everything at home that day. Well, sure, but uh, but it could have also happened the other day where I had all my shit, right? Well, why didn't that person lose control of the vehicle that day uh, and flatten me? It, it uh, and so I'm able to look at things that way dispassionately without involving or invoking something that that just because humans don't like randomness and we don't like chaos. So we always try to assign a meaning or a pattern to something where there isn't one. And a lot of times it's just random. That is the intellectual in me speaking, and that's how I navigate the world. I do not take that approach whatsoever when it comes to uh my contribution to the world. I look at everything as kind of giving me an opportunity to do more. And, and I operate under the belief that I was put on this planet to to improve it, right? To leave it in a better place than I found it. And all the forces in the universe are conspiring to help me achieve that goal. And so that day it was, let's not get flattened. When I was a heavy drinker, it was, okay, I'm going to, I'm not gonna. I'm only gonna let you get away with this foolish behavior. Uh, I'm only. I'm only gonna let you get away with with drinking and getting behind the wheel only a few more times because you got a bigger plan, you know. But we can't protect you forever. So that's also how I look at it too. Is that you know, there's the law of uh, large numbers. You can only do something dumb for so long before and get away with it before it catches up to you. So. So, so in my, you know, it really just depends on how I feel and what I'm looking at, whether when I write something and the point I want to make, the, the lesson that I want to teach. But I know that there are many lessons involved in a, in, in a singular event, and I just I get to choose which one to extract. But some people are going to, look, I could write the most dispassionate essay about this event, and someone will go, yeah, but I just feel like you were meant for, for something to be here and I was there. On the other hand, I, I could go to whole you know, 
there was there was a spirit higher power that came down to protect me and and hurled me the other way at the last minute because I'm destined for something greater. And someone would just go, "What I said just now about it just yeah, being yeah. coincidence." Exactly. So it's like I can I can see both ends and and it just it just kind of depends on the point that I want to make. But I, I, I but but I also realize that all those points are there at all times. No, that's fair. That makes sense, man. That's a good um, yeah, good angle to look at it from actually. Um, all right, mate. Just to just to finish off on the boxing stuff. Um, so, what was kind of the the last kind of final straw of you saying, "I'm I'm hanging on my gloves"? Basically, I know you said you, <laughs> you think about it recently, but what was it? Yeah. So, so the the the, the final straw, the one that, that made me really do it. Mm. So, so a lot of I mean, some people know whatever, right? That I um after my loss, I had one more fight. Yeah, where I fought to a draw, and then I said, "This is perfect because because after that fight, we 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 negotiated with with Trey Lipe's people. We negotiated that I would get a second fight regardless because of some of the things dealing with the contract uh, negotiation, and and it wasn't going to be against Trey. It was going to be against somebody, probably his brother, I think at the time. We were, okay. we were pretty sure it would have been, mm-hmm. but. But when you look, but, but, but people don't understand this about fighting, man. There ain't no money in fighting. It's a very hard life. I was not happy. <laughs> I wasn't really happy leading up to the fight, but but I was really unhappy when I had to get a job again and everything because I lost yeah. my sponsorship and all that because I lost. Um, and I took 2017 off entirely, which was good because I, I got to heal from some injuries. I got to focus and finish up with some stuff in my degree. I figured yeah. out how to make money. It was really like it was it was a really important year. This was all done with the full knowledge that I was going to come back in 2018 and fight. And I did. At the new year, I was in there. I was moving around, getting ready to train. was was working my body up, everything. During sparring, I got hurt again. I got, I got a concussion, didn't realize it, and I broke the orbit underneath my eye. So I rough sparring session, right? But but I'm also genetically predisposed to this kind of break because it happened. Charles Martin broke it one time in sparring in L.A. in no the way. right eye. And I actually had to get surgery to fix that one. On the left eye, in my sparring in 2018, I didn't have to get surgery oh, uh, for this. So, so I'm sitting there, and at this point, I, I get to make a decision because now I got to pull out the fight, and I and I've got a heal. My coach was mad because I went and sparred without his his guidance because I was trying to build some goodwill and get them sparring to come to us. But. But he said, he said, you know, look at everything you've done. I had just graduated with my degree and then a hard degree at that. Uh, I had just had my first, I think, I, what did I make that month? I think I made like, I made almost $30,000 a month online alone. Quality. Quality. And so I was like, and so so he's he's telling me, okay, you're doing all this stuff. I see it. I've got a great tutoring gig i really like i really enjoyed it like i, I think I, I found my calling like if i ever have to get a job i have no problem uh working with and teaching kids or something like that because it was just enjoyable uh all this is going on my, my blog is gr- growing my writing's growing my presence is growing i'm like okay i can realistically make 10 times what i was making fighting Doing one tenth of of the work, sustaining no damage, mm. and impacting a broader range of people. On top of that, and this is where I started looking looking at things realistically. 
I'm 33, and I'm 6'1", and my fighting weight is probably going to be, I put on a little bit of muscle at that point because I wanted to fix that. I hated feeling pushed around. But but at that point, I was like 230, six one two thirty, And I said, okay, how hard would I have to work to get into the top 10 where, where this money makes sense? And if I lose, I'm gonna be right back in there again, and then I, and then I and then I risk the damage because now, right? Like you can fight all those times, is you know, at 22 up to 33 because you don't have anything. I, I had nothing to lose. A lot of fighters have that nothing to lose. And then now it's like okay, like I'm having trouble thinking about. I was doing a, uh, an equation for one of my students uh, right after the concussion, and we were looking at the roots of an equation and trying to build polynomials around it. And I was like, this is some simple shit, but I just can't remember how to do it. Uh, and I said, okay, now we have a problem because of my thinking. That was the first time oh, where shit. my boxing activity was having an issue, was was affecting my thinking. My I, I thought about how great my balance had, had recovered over 2017, and then I lost it all. My balance is still not 100%. That was over two, almost two years ago at this point. Uh, over two years ago, actually, at this point, because that was in May of 2018. And so I just said, you know, I got a lot out of this sport, a lot. It changed everything in my life, including how I relate to myself and other people. And now it's time to go do something else because I, because, you know, because uh, it's not like I was a champion. I was going to come back and make a bunch of money or something like that. You know, I was probably going to fight for at best, like at best, probably five grand. Then now five, five grand sometimes is a week, right? Online. Why would I do that? Why, like, why would I give up six to eight weeks of my life mm. for training? Like, like I understand shit. Like, like, I don't need the stories, you know, like, like my creds out there. You can Google me. Like, I don't need to say, you know, I was a fighter. Like, nope. I did, you know, for a lot of fighters, they don't ever get to be able to go, hey, I'm on Wikipedia. Here I am. Like, no, I don't like, I don't need any of that nonsense. I can leave it all behind now and just enjoy the, and, and enjoy my life because, because when you fight, you know, you, you see, they see the training, but they don't see the training. They see the fight night. They see the damage. They don't realize that that's, you know, that ain't, that's, that's the easy part. I wish I could just show up and fight. <laughs> nah, they don't see the six to eight weeks before that, right? Six to eight weeks of just misery. Mm. Well, that's what it is. When I was fighting, I always because I don't I don't really eat Ritz crackers anymore. I used to love Ritz crackers, but I can't eat that shit anymore, man. Because like when I was fighting, I was burning two thousand calories a day. Okay, minimum, <laughs> you know, minimum. Yeah, yeah. So usually though higher because there, there was the sparring, there was the the, the the running in the morning, the sparring, the lifting. Oh, I was ugh. there's no way, right? But now I can like but but now I know how to like eat and live because you gotta like adjust and I'm just like dude, you know what? I'm I'm not going back to to, to gloving up. Uh, for any other reason I know what it's like to glove up. <laughs> I, I always say, and you seem to have a bit of knowledge about the game, but I think it's bigger in UK than it is in uh, in the US. The average person is not going to know nearly as much about boxing in America as the average person in the United Kingdom because we got a bunch of other things that no, distract absolutely. people. You got but, bigger pop, bigger population. You got bigger sort of domestic sports 
and all that. So it's, it's probably not on the forefront, right? Like boxing's not even close. Yeah. yeah, like not even close. And and what I what I found is that in in America, whenever someone asks me, "Why'd you stop? You only had one fight." I know whenever that question comes up, I know they've never fought. <laughs> but like fight, fight, no fighter has ever asked me because they know they, that's not life. It's rough, man. If you got an opportunity to go do something else, if you can parlay your fighting to something else, you got to do it because you can't fight forever. Mm. And you really, I know guys, this is how careers are built, right? With, with guys that shouldn't be fighting anymore, but know enough to be dangerous to somebody if they're not as good as they should be. Mm. And so these guys got upside down records, but they, but they can fight. And so they come in and fight for like a thousand here, a thousand there, and you know, a lot of times get knocked out, get cracked, but it's worth it to them because they can't do anything else. You, you, well, they, you they, think they, they call them journeymen, right? Yeah, journeymen, exactly. Not gatekeepers. Gatekeeper life is is, is a bit better, but but uh, but but journeymen in cans, you know that? Nah, man. <laughs> You're right. It's like you said. They, they they don't know any other thing to do, right? Like, yeah, is I, fought, I fought a guy one time. I kid, dude, I wish I was making this up. I fought a guy one time. He was coming down from Detroit, and Detroit to Pittsburgh is is probably a five hour drive. You can do it in four if you really is a madman, but five hours, right? And I'm like, I thought the fight was going to be canceled because he didn't make weigh in the night before, the way because he had to stay home and work, right? So he said, I'm going to come down. I'm like, he said, I worked all night and then all day, and then I'm going to get on the road after work. And I'm like, holy shit. But he's, that's what he's got to do to get paid. Mm-hmm. Barely makes the fight because he gets pulled over speeding. Oh. <laughs> because he's got to get – because he cause, and yeah. I think he fought for this – I wasn't signed yet, so I think he fought for like 700 bucks maybe. That, that, and you've got to remember, he's got to pay that some of that to Uncle Sam. He doesn't have a trainer. That's going to cost too much. Mm. It's a tough sport, man. The way you, the way you sort of say it is no one sees that because they only see the big fights on your Showtimes, ESPNs, The Zone, Sky Sports. What, do you know what I mean? Like, no one sees that side of it. They don't think about, like you said, the people like the journeymen and stuff like that. But a lot of them can't do much else. That's all they've sort of been grown into. And do yeah, right? it's a, it is a rough life. I, you know, I probably should write about this too. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff that I just I, I like to talk about, and, and it is it is. Maybe write about it. Write about it. <laughs> <laughs> write about. It. Now you got some good knowledge, man. We know that. We know you're a good writer. We know you got good knowledge, but the boxing aspect is is massive to have an insider's point of view. And this is not anyone inside. This is someone who is. Yeah, it, it, it's someone who's you know. Not not the top levels, but but big enough and close enough to be like okay, like like you know like like dude. Yesterday I found out Lou DiBella follows me. I was like oh okay, like I didn't know that. Like I, I had five <laughs> years, man. Fucking Lou, Lou DiBella has been following me for a while. And I'm like okay, cool. Yeah, but mate, wasn't Lou DiBella? Wasn't that his promotion? That fight against uh, Trey Lippy? I swear, yeah, I he was involved. He was involved in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's great, so, though, man. Yeah, but there you go. All right, mate. So, all right, we talked um, in extent about your boxing career, which obviously, personally, I enjoyed because I'm a big fan of sport, and um, yeah, it's 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 great to speak to you about that. Let, let's talk about what happened after. I know, I know, you said you decided to hang up the gloves, which a lot of people have, um, 
a lot of people say, yeah, I'm going to hang it up and then come back to it and this, that, and the other. What, what is it that in your next step of life that sort of took you away from the sport? Because it is a bloody diverse sort of career you've got. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's yeah. wild, mate. You've done a lot of shit, man, like, in, a, in a good, positive way. But what, what took you away from the sport? Um, uh, what was your next step, kind of? Um, so, so, I guess I did not ever anticipate that I'd be able to, well, okay, like, you, you, you can think about the numbers, right? Like, let's, I think, I think when I stopped fighting at, like, 50,000 50, followers in, like, 2018, and the website was probably doing, like, 10,000 visitors a month, mailing list was, like, 7,000 people, probably not even, um, but you don't, but people, but, but you, but you never think about what happens when you have an audience, when you have an audience and you actually know things and have skills and value to contribute, you, you've got a license to print money, man. Like it is actually insane. Sometimes I, I like, I'm not, I'm not rich by any means. Right. I have a bit more certainly I know where I rank in the average Americans in the percentile mm. and I'm like, okay, great. And, and, and I know where I'll be this year. I'm, 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 I'm pushing, I'm on, I'm on the doorstep of the top 3%, uh, maybe two. Right. <laughs> but, but my, my, my point is that I I'd spent all of this time building this audience and all of a sudden uh, May is the first time I really profited from it. And I said, holy hell, May 2018, when I keep saying May, that's, mm-hmm. that's the, 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 the month where May 2018 is really significant. It's like one of those watershed months. That, was the, that, that month was simultaneously the month I got injured enough to stop boxing and the, the sparring. And when I graduated, when I, when I finished school, finished college, right? With my my degree, walked down the walked across the stage with my in college, like thirty three years old, but it was cool, and uh, and when I had my first five figure, I I simultaneously in May had my first five figure month, week, and day, <laughs> all, all all in. <laughs> so May two thousand eighteen is where a lot of my perspective really changed, and I said, Great. wow, I am I really can do something. I have the, I, I have the, I, you gotta have a few things, right? You have an audience, I've, I've got experience, I've got a way to communicate and, and I can really lean into this and, and be awesome. And so I just, I, I, I ran with it and, and that, that's what's taken me there. It, it's given me a lot of opportunities to you know i hadn't even written my second book yet i wanted to do that really big i wrote that book this helped a lot of people i i think i had roughly half the articles i have on my site that i have now that's huge you know that i continue to add content and help more people i did had less than half the followers i have on twitter so so i bring all this up to say not only did i realize how much like I could actually make I'm I'm looking at this going, wow. I can make even more and help more people and reach out and do it the way I want to do it, which is writing about my life. I always say mostly not joking that I get to make a living and a decent living at that being myself. Now there you know that that's a, a gross oversimplification. I still have to, you know, teach and explain things 
but I'm me. Like I get to be mm. me. That's it. <laughs> you know, nah, that's no. really cool. It's really cool, mate. Just to jump in it, but I think the hardest thing, just from the outside looking in, I personally think the hardest thing that you have to do is be so open and vulnerable that you can share every facet of your life and history. Do you know what I mean to people? And like you said, yeah, it's a career now, but that's got to be tough, man. That's that arguably might be tougher than your six to eight weeks of training camp pre-fight. You know I mean, that's that's not easy. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll, here's what I'll say, right? <laughs> I remember, I'll, I'll use a story to kind of make the point. Stories are good. Mm. When I was 19, I, I shared I shared an apartment with some friends, and and I I had the room that had no door. What? And that <laughs> how did you get in? that and not only well because it was a converted living room, it wasn't yeah. really supposed Oh to I be see, bed. sorry, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah. And so I'm living there and you know, I'm trying to go to sleep. People can walk back and forth past me. Um, they are watching TV, things like that. And I I, just, I learned how to I, I I adapted because I had to adapt. That there were no boundaries and I could just kind of, you know, fall asleep during noise, things like that. Because I had to. I had yeah. to be, I had to learn how to exist opening. Now, that, that has probably almost no relation to my openness online. But my point is that I realized that if I'm going to be the best, uh, if I'm going to help people, if I'm going to write engaging content, if I'm going to stand out and be unique, then the best thing I can do is be open. I don't have a choice but to be open. That to me is the cost of business. And maybe it's a, and I know for many people it's too high a price to pay. Mm. Right? Mm. But, but like, I am, I'm fine. I'm comfortable with it. Because, you know, I don't have a choice. And, and, and it forces me, here's the cool thing. It forces me to be honest with myself. Like I said, the 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 one of the most valuable lessons I picked up is is that you you cannot deceive yourself. If you if if you lie to yourself, then then it's all downhill, right? Mm. You're not going to be able to understand the criticism you get. You're not going to be able to act on vital information that's vital to helping you adjust to your strengths and weaknesses because you don't really know what those are. Mm. And you're not going to be able to engender trust and build relationships. So because I have to be this way, because I learned the value of it, to me, this is very natural. It would be unnatural to be, to hide behind a thing, you know? One of the things I talk about with, with writing content is, is your content, someone should have to effectively re rewrite the piece if they want to copy you. Right? A lot of people don't do that. I do that. You look at my blog, my writing, my, my pictures of me everywhere, and my my story and my life. It's me. You you ain't taking that. You know, you, you can't take it from me. It's so, unique, you know? Yeah, that that's the goal. That's the plan with all that. To yeah, be open. And when you when you're open, you know, you 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 can do a lot. No, nah, man. That's that's true. That's very well said, man. Um all right, let's, so, so moving down the sort of timeline, um, where did the um, physics degree and the sort of the military enlistment come into this, uh, into your life in terms of time frame? And um, what was the reasons 
so so the military enlistment preceded the physics degree and i i enlisted in the military because i came to the conclusion that i needed more options in my life and my resume was weak so i said let me go to the military not only would i build up my resume with that they'll, they'll pay for school okay right? so i okay. had the idea for school but i didn't know what i was going to study i was originally going to study math mm. and then my mos in the military exposed me to uh, some electrical engineering concepts and I was going to study electrical engineering. And then when I went back to, then, then when I'm in school and I'm taking a physics load that you have to take the pre -qual to qualify for engineering, I realized that I really wanted to study physics instead. So I found a school actually that had a dual degree program. Mm. And the reason I didn't get my electrical engineering degree is because I just was, you know, around three and a half, right? That makes sense. Around Around uh, three and a half years in, I was like, wow, I really want to get out and push and see how far I can go with this internet money thing. Let me graduate from, but, but I got too much time in now to give up. <laughs> so let me just check out and get my physics degree because to get the engineering degree, I think I would have needed a year and a half more. And I was like, ah, let's just, <laughs> let's just finish this up. No, but mate, what, what, what's, what's the reason for choosing physics? Because it's not it's not an easy subject by any stretch. It's probably one of the oh, hardest you know, degrees you can I, get. <laughs> I, I think I just really enjoy being able to um that's a great like why physics of okay, right. So so I why physics generally. Mm. Because when I was thinking about going back to school, I looked at I wanted it to be an, an investment. I wasn't just gonna go get a stupid degree mm -hmm. because I, I'd be better off not, not going to school, right? Yeah. So I looked and it was something like all the highest paying majors and the jobs with the highest job satisfaction amongst the employees all had math involved. Mm. So that's why I originally started with math. And then I, I just happened to get exposed to the engineering stuff. And I said, oh, I like that. And then I took the physics and I said, wow, this is how we can describe everything. I like being able to understand. And on top of that, physics forced me. This is something people don't realize. Uh, Physics forces you to really develop a sharp and precise vocabulary. Oh, you don't it? realize how many things that we we inter we we use interchangeably or colloquially is probably the best way to put it. Uh -huh. That you have to be very precise in in physics. Are you talking about how when you say how fast something goes? Are you talking about its speed or its velocity? A lot of times when people say accelerate, all they all they mean is is how fast someone's going oh are you talking about you know uh like i remember that i got i got reamed out one time for saying turn up the volume and like because the, because the like, you can't turn up volume you increase it <laughs> like, you're, Shit, you're right man <laughs> yeah so so th those kind of things like you know stick with me you know, it's like people talk about current and voltage. The average person uses those those two concepts interchangeably. They are very different. And mm. you learn, and, 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 you know, even if you didn't think about it before, if you didn't think about it before, you're not going to get through any electronics class um, that you have to take thinking that they're the same, right? When we talk about light and we talk about how things are being polarized, like polarizing, yeah, you, now I'm very aware when I use that word, what it means. Mm. So I can't even kind of go back <laughs> to, to but, but, but because you have to be so crisp in your communication, yeah, it, it, 
it demands it demands you be a good communicator. It demands you have, you know, I always say I'm better at math than 99% of the population. That 1% are my, my peers and my classmates. Mm. I mean, some of these kids, they're just, ugh, I've, n- I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> oh. No, you know what, that's fair play. You know, I never thought about it, physics like that in terms of, like you said, the, the kind of, to break it down, the lingo. Um, yeah. You're right, you're right. So many of those terms that just is used interchangeably in society but actually probably getting used in the wrong way, right? So Yeah, and and that's cool because people ain't physicists and they know what they're talking about. But when you start discussing things specifically to people, you have to use the correct lingo. Absolutely. When you talk about a force, you have to know what you're talking about. Here's another one where you always use momentum. Mm. You know, when people talk about things with momentum, what they usually mean is force. And a lot of times when people mean force, they mean momentum. But those two things are different, you know, mathematically and what they represent. Momentum is an intrinsic force. Force is an external application. Momentum is mass times velocity. Force <laughs> is mass times force. And you go, okay, but what's the, you know, the, 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 he hit someone with a lot of force. Not so much the momentum. A train has a lot of force, not necessarily a lot of momentum. You know, so that Absolutely. kind of those those kind of things, man. It's really just it's really interesting to think about. <laughs> no, you know, it's quality. Now, the way you say it, because uh, no one thinks about that. Do you know what I mean, unless you're a physicist like yourself, no one will think about that. Do you know what I mean, like, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Oh, mate, just going um going to the next stage. Uh, talking about the military. I mean, this is a question I have in particular because uh, I'm quite interested in it, especially. Uh, come from the UK, um, a US point of view, because we all know um, a lot of your sort of expenditure goes onto the military uh, as a whole in terms of the country. What kind of stuff were you doing there? Um, what was it like? And I'm just, I'm just generally intrigued because I, I have no experience or understanding whatsoever. I just want to know a bit of the background as I saw it. Uh, okay, so like, Here's the thing about 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 the you know I, I enlisted in the National Guard, which is a kind of reserve unit, mm-hmm. and so my my experience is going to be different than a guy that was like full blown, you know, active duty, sure. uh, yeah. living on a base and everything. Yeah. But but we all went through the the basic process of basic training, and initial training, and a lot of the military, you know. A lot of the military is, you know, following orders. Being, you know, hurry up and wait is a, you know, they 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 get you to go one place, and you know, you got things to do, and it's it's really serving a role. <sighs> okay, actually, I'm not even going to try and speak to the the uh, form role in the military. I think that that's more or less commonly understood. Plus, I don't have that much experience with it. But, the domestic role in terms of the National Guard, where we were, where, what I was stationed and what I dealt with, uh, was was dealing with domestic emergencies where the government, uh, where the governor of the state felt like uh, they needed extra assistance. So I think when I was in the Guard, we got called down, or my unit got called down, I didn't got called down to deal with uh, weather emergencies twice and then there were some riots in Baltimore mm. uh, where where they were called down for assistance from Maryland because Pennsylvania borders Maryland. Yeah. They also will uh, actually deploy. Sometimes the National Guard does deploy. That didn't happen to me either, uh, which I think, you know, it's interesting that 
that that is a thing because a lot of people join the National Guard because they don't want to deploy, but you know, it is yeah. it is what it is. But yeah, I, I had a I had a good enough experience. I mean, it, it's one of those things where if someone was like, "Should I join them? What do you think? Should I join?" I'd be like, "Well, tell me why." Like, I'm I'm not gonna be like, "No," and I'm not gonna be like, "Yes." I was, you know, here's why. Like, it wasn't. I would I wouldn't call it a great experience. I would call it a useful experience. Mm. Uh, I, I learned a lot. I got I got a, and I got a lot of hands on. Um, experience working with electronics. I mean, I, I'm not an electrician by far, but I can, you know, set up a circuit, lay some wiring, re- rewire things, figure out what's wrong, troubleshoot, you know, layman stuff. Kind of like if, if I am to an electrician as a, like, as changing your tires is to a mechanic. Like, like I can uh, do that, basically. basically set, up a, set up a generator. Well, yeah. and this, a lot of this is because of what my MOS was. My specialty was with electronics. That's how I got exposed to a lot of, um, electrical engineering concepts that led yeah. me to, to study physics. No, that's fair enough. So you said it was a, a useful experience. Like you don't have any regrets in terms of joining the National Guard. You think it was no. it helped shape uh, did it help shape me? No. Uh, huh? but, but but I came in <laughs> But you got to remember, man, at this point, I came in shaped. Uh, I stopped drinking right before, well, well, during basic training, pretty much, is where I, I, I had one drink after basic, and then I, I've been sober, sober since. I was, you know, professional. I was enrolled in school. I was 28. I enlisted late. So I, I, I didn't really need to be polished, or at least to the degree that the military is going to polish an enlisted soldier. I think I was beyond that. But it was very, but but as a result, it made it easy for me to 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 do. I mean, and, and, and go and do. Absolutely, absolutely. Now that's an interesting experience, man. Like, all right, um, mate. Let's move on to your writing. Um, so I was I was looking at the four confidences, right? Which is ah, I thanks, think, man. Yeah, I'm. Let me let me tell you about this. So I originally wrote <laughs> like like years ago. Mm. And then I, I was a worse writer. So I actually went through and like redid it and then got it repolished. And, yeah. And I am, re- I am very proud of that. Mate, <laughs> I'm, honestly, it is so good. Like, I'm not even just blowing smoke. Uh, this is a quality, quality read. It's a nice short segment, but it has so many useful and interesting points. Like, I just wanted to get your kind of, it's for the listeners, obviously, who may not have heard it before and all that. I just wanted to get your uh, main Mate, summary on kind of the four points, the four confidences in like the the process, instruction, you know, the past and yeah. the learning, if that's feasible. Yeah. So the idea is that that I looked at it like, okay, confidence is like experience on a job application. It's like everyone wants you to have experience before they hire you, but no one is going to hire you. So how do you mm. get that experience? And I looked at confidence like that because they go, okay, confidence comes from doing things, but you need, you know, confidence to do these things. How do you get confidence if to to perform if you haven't performed well yet? So I said, okay, how do we build confidence? And I said, there's there's a really basic way to go about it. You know, you can you build it from what you've already done somewhere else, confidence in the past, confidence in what you're learning and how you're learning, confidence in the instruction, who you're learning from and confidence in the process that you are learning. So in other words, you you know, you figure out ways to lean on 
other things that you uh, your environment external mm. portions before you it basically is a way to build confidence externally before you build internal self-confidence yeah no absolutely i mean that's one, I, sorry sorry you're saying no i was gonna say you know once, once you have that you can you can go go quite far no uh, mate trust me this it, like i said it's a short segment it doesn't take long to uh, read and listen to and figure out but it is really, really powerful. Like, I genuinely intrigued uh, reading that. That was quality. Well, thanks, man. I really, I really appreciate that. that, that it's just, it's one of those things that means a lot to me uh, that I was able to put it together. So, so when I hear the the effect that it had on other people, maybe it makes me, it's, like, yeah, it's so well, it's so well put together. That's the thing. Not in Arudo, like they said, the timing that you did it. You weren't um, a fully-fledged kind of writer or uh, influencer as such, but the timescale as well that you put it to and how short but how substantial it is, is, is quality. Like, literally, it hits home for a lot of people. Like, it's, it's a really well-done piece, piece of work. No, thank you. No, no, that's what. All right, mate, so um, why don't you talk to us about um, this, the, sorry, so the, more, more the writing period of your life then, because we just talked to, we touched upon the four confidences with there's a lot more stuff you brought out. Um, how did you, I know you already said, oh, you already said you were kind of always into that. How did you take that leap from obviously a more physical, um, you know, military sporting boxing background into more, uh, what we'd call a tamer background, but more intellectual, I guess, like side of things, right? Uh, yeah, you know, the, the, well, yeah, man, I guess there's no, no other way to kind of put it, but, but that has always been uh, a part of me. It has always you know, I'm, I'm, I always wanted to do many things growing up, and I, I never had a chance to and really couldn't get down to it. But when I had the chance to, and I made the, or rather made the chance, I think is a better way to put it, mm -hmm. I made sure I took advantage of it. And so, uh, you know, I, I burned the oil on both, but burned a candle on both ends, you know, always writing, but still fighting. And it's just, it's just the way my, my mind thinks, you know, fighting is, is a physical activity. Yeah, there's like parts that I have to think about and do, but there's, uh, but then I can go and write and writing is something else I enjoy. It's like, you know, playing yeah. chess too. There's another oh, different well. thing. Absolutely. But, you know, I'm just intrigued. Like how... How difficult is it to just sit there and write? Like, I, I don't know, because I'm not a writer, but I just, I can just understand it being so difficult. Like, is it harder to go into a gym and train for X amount of hours a day, as opposed to sit in a desk with a piece of paper or a laptop and whatnot and just start writing? Like, some, it's different, it's using different parts of your body, but it just, it seems so difficult. You know what I mean? Like, that aspect of it. Um, you know, the, it's not, I don't, I don't think it is. I think, I think, you know, it's like anything else. You learn how to do it. Once you learn how to do it and you get a method, you know, then you can, you can really, you can make moves, but you have mm. to learn how to do it. If you yeah. don't learn how to do it, then you're never going to like, like, I like you got to learn how to, you know, shut your mind off so you can write without interruption. Right. That, that's, that's like the big thing I'm learning and experimenting team with right now is is shutting off the critics so i can focus on writing once you do that then you then it's producing and it's learning to edit then it's learning okay what what sounds good what doesn't sound good what makes a post pop out what makes a post drag okay and that's the next thing so 
You just keep up with it, and and you get you get better. It's the thing I wanted to get better at. No, fair play, mate. Fair play. Um, all right. So you talked about your uh, uh, sort of uh, chess playing uh, days, or I don't know. You, you're still doing it. How did you enter that? I mean, again, that's a, a different facet. It's, it's different <laughs> from boxing, right? Like it's more intellectual. It's like um, I'm not saying you can't be a boxer and a chess player or a writer, but they are using different parts of your body and your organs and stuff, right? How did you get into that, and how do you take that now? Um, you know, well, I'd always like like the game, right? But in terms, but not only recently have I gotten like serious mm. in my study, and that is a direct result of you know once again I, I have the time and the opportunity uh, to do so, and once I could do that. I was like, okay, let me find, for example, let me find a coach. That's one thing I had to get. If you don't have a coach, it's going to be very hard to get better. But a lot of people don't realize that. But I found that guy, and then I was like, all right, let me also pick up books. And I picked up books, and I try to get better with that. And that makes me, you know, an, an even better player as I study, and I do the coaching, and I play. And then once again, I, I I tell people I don't really have hobbies, right? My hobby is like watching movies. Like right now, even even watching narcos, right? I'm I'm like watching it to understand Spanish yeah, words. Yeah. Really have a hobby. Uh, instead, what I do are just things that are that are challenging and interesting are going to make me better. I like writing. I like writing. I like communicating with the words and chess. I like how it makes me think and like how uh, how how it's it's another perspective and dimension I can work with. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, all right, mate. Uh, I've just got a couple more questions. I've taken enough uh, of your time so far, but it's been quality. I just want to ask a few more things, if that's all right. Um, oh, no so problem. Again, yeah, so again, going on YouTube and seeing so many of your speeches and talks, like, it's, it's fascinating to watch. One video in particular which really caught my attention, uh, I think it's titled Being Red-Pilled in a Blue-Pilled World. Now, that one I found really intriguing. I just wondered if you could give a real high, <laughs> high level sort of synopsis of what that entails and what that means for our listeners out there, because it will hopefully urge them to go watch that video in full length. But that's a really interesting concept, I thought. Um, so, so the whole, the whole idea is that you people are either red pill or blue pill, and what's that about? A lot of people are restricted to dating, but I don't like to restrict it to I see why they do it but I don't like to restrict the domain of it to just there instead you know what I like to say is that, you know all, all being red pilled is is when you understand how a thing really works versus how and what they're told you or what, what you're told by by them and by them being the powers that be whoever they are right so once you understand how things really work you you tend to become um you, you like to proclaim it a lot. You like to celebrate and speak, or you become angry that you were lied to for so long. There are, there are so many uh, negative reactions to knowing how the world works that can alienate you from other people in the world. But the thing is, you still live in this world. So you have to figure out how to reconcile those two things. And I think that's what I was trying to capture in the speech, my process for reconciling some of these ideas and they are at a direct clash almost by definition with 
how a lot of other people think and view the world. And so I wanted to give guys who were on that path, which is what my audience mostly were, were guys who were interested in, in the red pilling themselves and understand how the world works. I wanted to give them uh, tools to, to, to cope, to figure out how to be red pill. No, fair play, man, fair play. Oh, well, mate, honestly, we, we, we appreciate your time so much. I'm, I'm just going to hold you there for a bit longer because I've, I've got a couple more final boxing questions before you leave. Oh, okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I want to, first of all, I'll, I'll ask them more together so you can say it all, but I want to sort of get your take on the current heavyweight division because we mentioned it earlier, so uh, I think it's really, really intriguing at the moment. There's so many top quality heavyweights out there. And uh, number two, if you can, I want to hear your... Uh, top three pound for pound fighters at the moment, or people that you follow at the moment, who you think are really, uh, you know, creme de creme. Um, okay, so I mean, my opinion of of the heavyweight division as as it stands right now. Um, hmm, this is a good question. I, I mean, I, th- I think okay for for starters, it's certainly the most competitive. It's it's been in a while, not just on like the top tier one guys that we see and pay attention to on TV. That you know whether we'll have that be like Fury, Wilder, and Joshua, mm. but with what uh, we'll, we'll say like tier two like guys who are like on the cusp and get a, should get a shot at the title any moment. Then, you know it's gonna you know Dylan White, Trevor Bryant. Um, I don't think who else I would put in that category right now. Uh, I, w- I would say Oscar Rivas mm-hmm. as yep. well as another good guy. Uh, th- there's just a lot of, you know, strong competition. And that's good for they, – they, they know that's, that's good for the viewers if boxing gets its shit together and, you know, stops. Because there's, there's a lot of problem with boxing. There's a guy I follow, Jay Snowden. He made a great one on Twitter. He made a really good point about the boxing division, just, just to, to illustrate one of, of many problems. He goes, Errol Spence and Ter- Terrence Crawford are considered the top two, uh, what are they, middle or welter, like junior middle or uh, super welter or yeah. in that, that range, well, uh-huh. weights in the world. And they not only have not fought one another, but they don't have a single common opponent between them. And that was not like he put the box record when I was like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that, <laughs> this, this can be a thing. And, and so like, well, I was going with that is hopefully we, we don't, we can, we can deal with this and kind of get a, an undisputed kind of guy. Uh, like I, I actually don't think Andy Ruiz is ever going to fight again. I, I think Joshua Parker uh, or Joseph Parker, has yeah. a better chance of fighting again than than Andy Ruiz. I just I just don't think he will. Uh, he you know I I'm a big Joshua fan and I thought that I I actually thought he was going to lose the second time um, as well. But once I saw one because I because I'm thinking okay here's a great opportunity and you wax this guy all you got to do is come in in better shape and you probably are competitive. And we'll win. And he mm-hmm. said, "Nah, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my money and and have some cheeseburgers." But <laughs> what ended up happening uh, with that is is neither here nor there. Well, my, my point is that there are there, there's some blood in the division, and that's nice. 
um, probably for the first time in a long time, people care. If for any other reason, and then one of the top guys for a while was American, and then the second top guy is British, so you know people people care. Or two the other two, uh, the other two are both from from the UK, so so that that helps. As for as for top guys and everyone uh, overall, pound for pound, ah man, that that's a uh, right now. In the, in the in the whole game, I think. I think Errol Spence is 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 is, inc- is incredible. I'm 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 actually really I just I just like watching what he does in the ring. Um, sure. You can you sure. can you can tell he's a smart, skilled guy who has who has been. You know, he's, some people just got him, and they just they just got the game complete, and it's going to be very difficult to beat them. Mm-hmm. If if the other guy who and if anyone's going to beat him, it's going to be Terrence Crawford. Yeah. Uh I like I like that guy. I like what he does in the ring. I like him I'm fighting that. Those, those are my, you know, those those are the top two, you know, P for P. I don't I don't think anyone really debates that. Maybe they throw Lomachenko in there. My thing mm-hmm. about Lomachenko and and, and God, when 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 you're that small, uh, <laughs> there's not going to be a lot of competition. Uh, because who knows how good you like? Like we, we'll, we'll never know how good he really is. Because his biggest profile fight, you know, against uh, uh, Rigado, mm. was free. That, that, that like like that's how you know that the interest isn't there, and we can't drum up opponents and skill when you're when your most high profile fight is free. It's just not going to happen. Maybe he fights Tank Williams. I don't think. I think. I don't think. Uh, Tank Williams beats him. Uh, Javante Davis. I don't think Javante Davis beats him. If that fight even w- would even happen, so uh, I didn't. First of all, but just talking about this, I didn't realize how much I knew about other divisions. I thought I was going to be like, <laughs> kind of, kind of like, uh, but no. I mean, I got, but I guess like because you absorb the sport by osmosis and you're not thinking about it. It's like oh, I was really into football. I, I, I knew all the quarterback, everything. I was like, oh, now, mm. now I'm not in the football. I'd have to think about it. But I guess. Boxing is my thing, and I'm, I'm aware of it. But yeah, it's in, your, you know, it's in your DNA, isn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, like at this point, I just you know, kind of go, oh, okay, there's a fight, there's a fight. That's interesting. Mm. Um, but yeah, that that you know, Crawford and Spencer top, uh, our top, and you know, pound for pound. I I don't think uh, the hell is his name? The, the, I always get the Garcias confused. Is Mikey Garcia? Mikey and Danny. That? Yeah. And then Danny, um, yeah, that's right. There's two. Of them. <laughs> that's why I get them confused. Mike and Danny Garcia. <laughs> Fucking, uh, yeah, they're, they're probably pretty decent too. But but it, it's hard to tell. Boxing's hard, man. But like because because of that whole thing I was talking about, no common opponents. We know Spence can fight. You know, yeah. we, we've seen you know we've seen him him fight guys like what was his name? Uh, was that Kell Brook? Kell he, Brook, yeah, yeah. That was a hell of a fight, man. Absolutely, uh, hell of a fight. Mm. Uh, I think you're right, though, man. Uh, TC and Errol, I think that's a fight yeah. everyone wants to see, man. That'd be crazy. And then you go down, you know, we we, we got our um, Alvarez and Golovkin, and, mm. and I, I thought Golovkin won both fights. May I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> with, with that said, I 100% understand if you're going to play to the future of the division. I think Alvarez is going to – it's just more marketable, man. The, the, the Latin Americans, they mm. love, love boxing. You're going you're gonna to have a close-off. I mean, they, they were close fights. I think the first one was, 
I, th- I think the second fight was was not as close as the first, but I thought uh, both I thought the second was closer personally. But so many really? people have seen it in different ways. You know what I mean, like that's yeah. that's how but, close but it was. Know, we we both agree that yeah. the winner of both those fights was Triple G. Triple G, absolutely. <laughs> not even and and in my opinion, not really a question. It's just a matter of which fight do you think he beat him bigger by. But yeah, at the end of the day, if you're you know you don't want to hand. You don't want to hand a white-looking Latin American uh, a loss. Are you crazy? Like, like, when it's that close, he'd have to kill him. Like, he'd have to kill him for them to give him that fight or, or like, beat the brakes off him to the point where it was embarrassing. And I actually thought he – the thing is, man, Alec Alvarez has got a great chin. If, they, if, that, if that proved anything, he's got a great chin in that fight. But, yeah, uh, th- that's, you know, next. And then you kind of get into the heavyweights and – I think heavyweight boxing should be a completely different sport on its own. You just can't really compare those guys and the skill set you need to fight because now one punch can end it legitimately, uh, not like and, and and not really give a guy a chance to recover. But when you when you get in that division, I I'm I'm beyond impressed with Tyson Fury. I I just you know you just didn't think it was possible for a human that big to be to had to move like that, but. There, there we have it, and and really the way I thought he beat Deontay Wilder the first time, second mm-hmm. time he did the yep. smart thing, and and then you know swiped that right away from the judges. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but but who knows what the future holds? Because now you know, my my buddy Cam was saying that it's it's going to be so hard predicting the future shows because now with no one putting on shows except people with the means and the money, there's going to be even few opportunities for fighters to get legitimate fights. Forget looks, you gotta get you gotta get in the ring. Uh, no, that's true. A fight. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully, Europe <laughs> handles that. And <laughs> so, no, that's a good point, man. I think you know one thing about Canelo that impressed me is that the way he knocked out Kovalev, someone who's so much bigger than him, and he was losing that fight, in my opinion. Yeah, like every round, and the fact that he done that for someone so big, that just kind of puts him in a little bit of a pedestal for me, uh, especially recently. Well, well the here's the thing. Here's what we know about. Here's what we know about Kovalev. Is you know Kovalev has got has has a big drinking problem and a big and a big training problem too. Mm. Um, and from to still come in there and be in be in that fight, um, that that let that lets us know that when 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 Triple G fights somebody who's who's who, you know who's who's there in the middleweight division to to fight, it's gonna be a hard one. Yeah, uh, for him. sure. I mean, if you look at uh, Triple G's last fight, who was it again? D- Dervichenko, someone like I can't remember his name. But he, he struggled in that fight hard as well. Yes. So I mean? Because the, these guys are, I mean, they're just big. The, 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 the size makes difference. Mm. You can't yeah. just, like, you, you can't just go up and not remember. And remember, it's at equally, you know, at equal um. Skill levels, the weight makes a difference, and it makes a big difference because these guys are cutting down. They're you know they're not one sixty for 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 days leading up to the fight. No, they are one sixty for like five minutes, and then they bloom <laughs> back up. You know, fifteen twenty pounds. If you're if you're struggling to reach that, and they're cutting down to reach it, and then fight night, yeah, you mean you get you got to be a bad man, and and they they just don't make them that bad anymore. Yeah. No, nah, that's fair play, man. That's a good point. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I said that was my last question. I was going to have one more because it's something I just thought about now. Uh, when you're talking about someone like Andy Ruiz, for example, in the heavyweight division, obviously, you don't have a, a ceiling sort of a weight limit and all that. 
Um, yourself obviously kept in great nick throughout, throughout your whole career and all that. Uh, what do you think about these kind of pro athletes, which they are on, in theory, like yourself, who don't get into a, a, a sort of athletic enough shape, shape to even compete at certain times? I know you beat Joshua in a in a in a in a pretty bad shape, but these, these kind of things. Are, what, what's your thoughts on, especially the heavyweight division? Because there's so many heavyweights out there who are like that. Do you know what I mean who are not in kind of quote unquote athletic shape, and you get paid um, to do it? I think, okay, so here's what a lot of people don't know. They don't know that to be a a pro fighter, all you got to do is go declare yourself to be a pro. Right? That That's pretty much it. Um, then now to go far, you got to go far. But or you got to be good, but but nothing mm. says you know. The, the, there's no there's no one that's gonna keep you from fighting, or there's no fines or anything like that in other sports. Um, so there's that you know to be in. They they don't have to be in the best shape, but at the end of the day, you know they have to be functional. So look, uh, I was I was looking at looking at guys like like Ruiz and um, what the hell is his name? Um, Jarrell Miller, who, mm. who will probably never fight again. Let's be, <laughs> you see, he got busted again, but it's same yeah, yeah. like wild, <laughs> man. And, and so, and so, uh, what's his name? Let him go. Um, Bob Arum. Who the hell, Is Bob who Arum? The hell was he with? Yeah, Bob Arum. Bob Arum, mm. let him go. Uh, and he'll probably never, no, no one will license him now. His mm. career is over. But these guys are huge. And, I, and you know what's funny, though? Uh, I'll answer the question. And I'll get get to the Miller. Sure, thing. sure, sure. Blew my mind. Um, I I think that if you're functional, if you can fight and be, if you can fight and move, and you you know you got your wind about you to go, you know however many rounds, that's good. That's not going to turn guys. Not everyone's going to look like freaking Anthony Joshua because mm-hmm. it ain't in the genetics. You know, it made me think about the the, the fighter Fedor Emelianenko. Look at that guy. He's one of the baddest fighters of all time. Guy mm-hmm. looked like the dope boy if you just looked at him. <laughs> That's it. but he could fight. Uh, he, he could fight, and he was in, he came to be in shape. Uh, what uh, I was going to say about Jarrell Miller is I remember thinking this guy is six four, damn near three hundred pounds, and I think he actually weighed over three hundred pounds in a few fights, and he's able to go rounds. How was that possible? Oh, drugs, right? Well, well, once it came out that he was using EPO, I was like, ah. That's how you can do it. Because that's not like you. You shouldn't be able to move that that hard and that long. That's hard, man. Yeah, that's mad. I mean, it's mad that we got done for a second time, and that second time we were in still lockdown technically, right? Like there was no sort of fight. Well, there was a fight registered, but I don't know, man. Like it's it's a weird one. I can't really comment on it, but it's just it must be something deeper than um just trying to get an advantage, right? It must be some sort of addiction or something, surely. Uh, I, you know what I think it comes down to? I think it, some guys are unethical, man, and, and they, they're out there doing that and trying to get that advantage. But but I, a buddy of mine said it best on, on, on Facebook. He says, if you if we fight and I find out you were using PEDs, I'm going to shoot you. And I thought that was hilarious. I mean, but, but he makes a good point. And this, I was trying to explain this to someone 
about you know about about how in boxing we're like we know one another you know mm-hmm. we spar we work and on top of that unlike other sports losing could change your life if not have you lose it guys have lost their lives in the ring so if you come in with an anana if you come in using those things that's complete disrespect mm-hmm. uh, for for people you have you know you interact and train with that's not it's a lot more on the line, right, than just a title or something. There's, like you said, bodily harm and your life, for example, anything. Yeah, so that, that's a that's a big deal, man. Like I'm a, I'm 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 against against it in a sport, you know, because you get to a point where it's like, if you're using us, what is wrong with you? Like mm. <laughs> we, it's like it's like well, what the hell was his name? Hands of stone. Or Margarito Guerrero, right? When he was mm. rapping, he plastered around him. They should have mm. killed that mother. Like, like they should have strung him out back, man. Because those people's livelihood, man. He's fighting with plaster on his hands. You know, had Miguel Cotto quite literally crying blood. And we, we couldn't figure out. We're watching a fight going, man, Cotto got smoked by Margarito. Got stopped. Oh, he's fighting with plaster around his hands. That's why. That's <laughs> mad. That's mad. But I mean, in terms of the regulation around it, though, don't you think it should be a bit more stringent? Like, how, yes. like, for Miller, for example, I don't even think he got banned, did he? And even if he did, he could have gone to another state or something and got a license. He doesn't have a lifetime ban, but, but commissions tend to honor the, the, the st- another state's commission. Mm. And he probably won't. I mean, uh, that's a good. Should it be? Yes, he should get a lifetime ban. I don't know. Um, if they'll if they'll do it, but yeah. but I I am with you one hundred percent that it should be more tightly regulated. Mm. Yeah, I think that's the biggest problem in boxing. I think there's just no alignment between all the governing bodies, you know, everything and the belts, everything. Do you know what I mean, it's just all so uh, sporadic and each for their own, all that. So there's less alignment and it's it makes it a bit chaotic. But it is what it is, man. It's a sport we love. You obviously. Uh, took part at a very high level, so yeah, it's great to talk to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, man. I'm happy. I'm happy to talk to you. Yeah, honestly, mate, it's been a it's been a credible uh, chit chat with yourself. I learned a lot, and uh, hopefully, our listeners learned a lot as well. And um, well, why don't you tell some of our listeners where they can maybe uh, find out more about you, read some of your books, and uh, check you out on social media, etc. Uh yeah. Um, so I'm I'm just Ed Lattimore everywhere. I'm Ed Lattimore on Twitter. I'm Ed Lattimore on Instagram. www.edlattimore.com is my website. Um, I've, I've just kept it Ed Lattimore. <laughs> so it's going to be very hard for anybody to ever, you know, just, just take my spot and be me. If, you're, if your name's Ed Lattimore, you want to do something on the internet. Sorry, man, I beat you to it. Get another <laughs> name. Uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at. That, that's, that's how you find me. So, Ed, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll love... We'll love um, uh, we'll love your details on our episode description as well. But like, mate, listen, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and I appreciate your time so much. Uh, hopefully we'll chat to you again soon, man, because I enjoy that a lot, that a lot. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much, man. It's been a good time talking to you. Awesome. All right, people, stay safe. Bye-bye. <laughs>